Obviously, as we talked about last week, we are transitioning into the biggest event of the year. Everybody in the entire world knows what happens in two weeks, which is Easter, right? So, yeah, delayed reaction there. So everyone's asleep as I am, right? Uh, Easter is coming up, and everyone in the whole world, even if they don't believe in God, don't think anything positive about God or Jesus or religion, if they want to call it that, they still all celebrate Easter. If it's on a smaller level, doing the Easter eggs and doing all the bunnies and all that stuff. And it's so funny, driving around at night, there are so many more bunnies running around right now. They're just going crazy everywhere. But this is the time that the whole world turns their focus to that. And we're going to look at another part of what's leading up to that. And we're going to have a great time next week with Palm Sunday. And the following Sunday is Easter, and we will be you know, talking more about that next week. Great time to invite your friends who don't normally go to church, because that's the day everyone thinks, hey, that's the day I'll go. So, and I actually have some people that says, yeah, I'm definitely coming on that day, because Costco's closed, my work is closed, every, the whole world shuts down. So unless you work for Walgreens, you're probably off that day, and it's a great time to come to church. If you will, turn in your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 26, and we're going to start reading in 36. And we're going to just look at part of the transition of Jesus going to the cross and and what that all looked like in the story of this. Jesus was about to face the cross. We talked about that last week, and the most difficult day Remember that? We talked about that. If you've had a bad day and how to deal with having a bad day, and it's just like one of those things that wants to pull you down. And yet Jesus, in the worst agony possibly, we can't even imagine someone reached out to him as he's hanging there, literally dying, saying, hey, can you help me out? This is before that. Jesus is knowing what's coming up. Verse 36, And Jesus came with with them, the disciples, to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. So Jesus knew there was about to be this significant event go on in his life. And his response is, I've got to go pray. Because he knew there was going to be so much that's pulling on him. Now, Jesus, I want to remind you, God sent him as our example, as our perfect sacrifice for our sins, but he came and did it all as a human the same way that we do. Before that, man could go and say, God, you can't understand me because you're God and you're up there in heaven and you know, it's just, there's this disconnect between me and you. But when God sent Jesus, and Jesus is now born as a baby, he's raised, he's the toddler, he's a two-year-old, he's the running up and down, you know, excited seven-year-old, you know, all this teenagers and all these different emotions and things that we experience, he's now going through all of that. So when he says, this is what I'm doing to get through I don't know about you, but that's pretty significant for me. And I'm going to listen to that, and I'm going to look at that and say, hey, if Jesus knows there's difficulty coming, and his answer is to go and pray, I should probably think about that as well. Verse 37, and he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be grieved and distressed. 
He knows what's coming. It's a really difficult time for him. Then he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. I mean, this is like the time that you're calling your buddy and saying, man, I'm just in the really worst possible place. Can you just come and hang with me? Can you just stay here and just keep an eye on me just to make sure? I mean, I don't know what's going to happen, but man, I just need somebody to be there with me. And that's what Jesus is asking the best guys that he hung up with, his best friends, if you will. And he went just a little bit beyond them and he fell on his face and he was praying, Father, if it's possible, let this pass, this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. So here we see the struggle that Jesus is humanity, that he is just like me and you. If you know there's something bad looming in your future, the closer it gets, the more you may go, Jesus, please deliver me. Jesus, please deliver me. Please, I don't want to have to go through that. I don't want to. Uh, uh, and it just really just, ugh. Most of you guys were probably too young to remember this, but many years ago, probably 25 years ago, there was an American little boy who was a teenager. I guess he was 18, 19 years old. And he went over to Singapore and he keyed a car. Does anybody remember this story? No one? Perfect. I'll tell you all about it. He went over and he keyed a car. Now that's a pretty significant thing if somebody does it here, right? We're not really happy if anybody keys our car. We're like actually very upset about that. But it is not to the level of severity that it is in Singapore. In Singapore, that is like one of the... They don't like crime at all, and that's just they're very serious about it. So he was ordered to get caned with a cane, that's what they call it, um, six times. But the cane is soaked, it's a bamboo um, shoot or something, it's soaked in water, and it's so, it's so terrible, they say when they hit you with it, it splits open all of your flesh. He was sentenced to six times with that. So much that he had to have plastic surgery on his back and his legs and everything to try and put it all back together. And they're talking about it. They're trying to do the appeals. It was horrible. And my stomach was sick. And it wasn't even me. You know, I'm thinking about, I can't even imagine. I I like shut off all of the the news coverage for that. I wouldn't listen to it up to that time. And then, of course, everybody's talking about how terrible it was after the fact and how horrible it was for him. But I look at, that is so small compared to what Jesus was going through. But can you imagine being in that kind of a situation, knowing tomorrow's the day? It's like, where you can run, you can't run, you can't hide. And it says he's deeply grieved. And he's praying, saying, God, the flesh part of me doesn't want this. Probably a little scared of this. But then he steps into his deity. He steps into being God and he says, but nevertheless, I will do what I know has to be done. And I got to tell you, I'm so thankful he did because if he didn't, there's no salvation for me. And I don't know about you, but I'm in need of a savior. I need Jesus to be there for me. I'm so thankful for what he has done for me. Verse 40, after he poured out his heart to them, tell me he's deeply grieved to the point of death. He came back to the disciples and he found them sleeping. Ever had a friend that's like that? 
that when you really needed them, man, it's like, hey, can I count on you? And then you come back and you're like, he's like, oh my gosh, I really need you right now. How can you not be so as serious as I am? Verse 42, and he went again a second time and prayed. See, I want, I want you to see here that it's not something we just need to say, one time I can go pray, okay, Jesus, I thank you that you help me with this, and then just go on my life as if nothing, it's all done or accomplished. But you see, he's sitting here at all this anguish and deeply grieved, and when he came back, he found them sleeping. He was coming back to check on them, and they're sleeping. He didn't say, man, I'm just going to go home. What's the use? He actually went again a second time and prayed. He came back and found them sleeping again in verse 44. And after he left them again, he went away and prayed a third time, saying the same thing once more. See, I think we miss something in our microwave society that we think that we should just be able to pray this prayer and God's a genie in a bottle and he's just going to do it just like this. But Jesus right here, we just saw in the story, Jesus prayed and just agonized before God, his father. Didn't leave him. He had to go back a second time and a third time. And perhaps, you know, it just was something that's just constantly coming out of him. And I've told you guys before, but I've had times that I couldn't even let things just go for a day, but I needed every hour to say, God, this thing's really bothering me. Help me through the next hour. And then sometimes it's help me through the next minute. Help me through the next second. Help me through the next breath. Jesus is going through something really significant, and he turned to prayer. Daniel also, in Daniel chapter 9, we'll look at a story that he turned to God, and he pleaded because of everything that was going on in the whole nation of Israel. And Daniel was desperate for an answer for God. Daniel was a great man that was doing everything God's way. He's a slave that was taken by the Babylonians, and they're all over here doing their ungodly things, and he's risen to the top, and he's doing the right things, and he's praying to God, and he's searching God, he's serving God, and he's praying, and his prayer was held up. It took him every day praying 21 days of praying and staying steadfast and praying, saying, God, I'm just travailing for this answer for your nation, for Israel. Verse 20 of Daniel chapter 9. He says, I went on praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people, pleading with the the Lord of my God for Jerusalem, his holy mountain. You know, what's really amazing there is here, Daniel, by all accounts, is an amazing man that's doing everything the right way. He's turned his back on sin. He's turned his back on everything. He's even eating different food than what everybody else is because he has a conviction that's deeply held inside of his heart. And he's trying to do the same things, the right things. And here he is, he's praying and confessing his sin. And not only his sin, but he's taking on the sin of all of his people. And he's pleading out for God. Again, I'll tell you, I need a Savior. I need to pray, and I need to confess my sin, 
And I need to confess the sins of my people, the nation of America. I think we, it's healthy for us all to keep coming to the place of God and saying, man, I prayed this prayer last week. I prayed this prayer last month. I prayed this prayer, but God, thank you for forgiving me for my sins. But I'm asking you to forgive me because I, I still need you every day. I don't know about you, but I'm not perfect. I haven't reached the place where I don't sin. I haven't reached the place where I can say, yeah, I've got this all going good, God. I don't, I don't really need you anymore. Anybody in that spot? I'm not there. And as he was praying, Gabriel, who's one of the archangels, came swiftly to me, Daniel says. He said, Daniel, I've come to give you insight and understanding. The moment you began praying, a command was given. And I'm now here to tell you what it was, for you are very precious to God. Listen carefully so that you can understand the meaning. The coolest thing of that to me is verse 23. The moment you began praying, a command was given. As soon as he started asking God and petitioning God for something, the command was given. Gabriel was sent. He goes on in that story to say, I had to battle in in the heavenlies with all the other angels. We battled to get here to deliver the answer. But the command was given. As soon as you ask the question, as soon as you petition God, he's sending the answer. But sometimes it doesn't arrive as fast as we would like it to arrive. But can I tell you something else? God isn't moved by need. See, the whole nation of Israel was in captivity. And the only one we see that's reaching out to God is Daniel. Maybe because he wrote the book, Daniel. No, I'm just joking. But here, I'm sorry, that cracked me up. Um, Here, the whole nation is just kind of just accepted their situation with being a slave kind of accepted, this is just the way my life is going to be, my kid's life is going to be, everybody else tomorrow looks like yesterday, next year looks like this year, and so on and so on. And Daniel says, God, I'm going to cry out to you for my sins, and I'm going to cry out to you for the sins of my nation, of my people. See, God isn't moved by need, but he's moved by faith. Romans 10 says, so faith comes by hearing And hearing by the word of God. Hearing. So that's what you're doing today. That's one of the benefits of us reading through the Bible every week, every day. The challenge that I've given you is to dig into the chapter that we're all as a group doing. This is not something that's just, hey, this is a great announcement for us just to talk about. Okay, This is where we get our life blood. It says, can you put it back up there, Jesse? It says, that faith comes by hearing. Faith is what moves God. So if that's going to be where I'm trying to go, if I want to get to God, then the only way I can get to God, it tells me, is through hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ, the word of God. So we hear the message on a Sunday. We listen to podcasts during the week, if you're like me. You read your Bible. You read the one-year Bible. It's a great thing. So every day is laid out there. You can just read through it in just a few minutes. But as we do this, then the hearing of word, we start building our faith. And then when we have faith, God is able to move on our behalf. 
The Bible says, you have not because you ask not. Isn't that crazy? So the people in Israel aren't even asking for God to deliver them. Only Daniel is. Jesus is praying in the garden. But you see, there's another caveat to getting to God. Psalm 66, verse 18 says, If I regard iniquity or wickedness in my heart, God will not even hear me. Ugh. Really? So there's something that can separate me between God? Yeah. If I allow wickedness, wicked thoughts, it literally means if I allow things to become visible or to consider something that is wrong, wicked, trouble, sorrow, or iniquity in my heart. Not even doing it. Not even doing the act. Remember Jesus came along and said, hey, you don't even have to commit adultery to be guilty of it if you did it in your heart. You're just as guilty. The scripture says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, God will not hear my prayer. But God has heard my prayer, it goes on to say, and he's given heed to the voice of my prayer. We see in the scripture that says in James 6, is anyone sick among you? Anyone suffering? Then he must pray. Is anyone cheerful? He is the same praises. Is anyone among you sick? Then they should call on the elders of the church and they are to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith, there's that word again, will restore the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed any sins, they will be forgiven him. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. For the effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Whole bunch in there. Okay, we're going to unpack that just a little bit. But God says, I've given you the tools that you need. I want you to pray. If you're suffering, go seek out somebody to pray for you. Because you may be in a situation you can't even pray for yourself. You may need that person. Jesus was in that situation, right? We read that. He says, hey guys, I'm really going through it. I'm really struggling here, even to the point of death. Can you just hang with me for a little bit? Is anyone sick? They're to call the elders. Well, who's the elders? Well, we actually have elders in our church. It's Mr. John Shear and Mr. Bruce Edwards. But it's not limited to them. They're great to call, and you absolutely should call them if you're sick, if you're suffering, if you have needs, if you have. And God says, if you call the elders, then this will happen. But elders aren't limited to that. It's also small group leaders. It's those people in your life that are coming alongside you and saying, hey, I'm going to do life with you. We're going to do life together, and we're going to come and move along. We're going to take the next step. The interesting thing as well in this is verse 16. Do you know it says that God's already forgiven your sins? We talked about that a few weeks ago. Every sin you'll ever do, he's already forgiven. But verse 16 says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. See, you can tell your stuff to God. He already knows. But it's not until you confess your sin to another human being that you're able 
to actually be healed. And this is the problem that we have in the church, quite honestly. We have thought, you know what, I can just be over here by myself. Ain't nobody needs to know what my sins are. Nobody needs to know what I'm struggling with. I'm certainly not. I'm going to just keep it all in here, and what you don't know about me will not hurt me. And we never get healed from the things that have been in our yesterdays. But you see, God is calling us to pray for one another because he ultimately wants the best for you. Does he want you to tell everybody your business just so they can all judge you? No. He wants it the best for you, for you to be healed. If story can come, we're actually going to transition into the next part of this. Right before Jesus went out to pray, we're going to jump back to Matthew 26, was when they actually had the Last Supper. So all of this is leading up to Easter. All of this is leading up to the crucifixion. All this is leading up to Jesus paying for our sins in verse 26 of Matthew 26. While they were eating, they were taking the Passover. Jesus took some bread like he had done every other time. This was a normal thing. So they're not even seeing anything different out of the ordinary. And he took some bread and after blessing it, He broke it and gave to the disciples. And here's where everything changed. He said, take, eat. This is my body. Can you imagine? They're sitting there going, whoa, Jesus, we're just taking the Passover. What is this? Whoa, 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 whoa. What is all this going? Remember, he hasn't even gone to pray yet. This is what precipitated him going to pray. He says, take, eat. Can't you see them taking the bread and going, I don't really know what we're doing here. This is weird. I've been raised in a Jewish home all my life, and we ain't never done this before. Will you guys go ahead and pass out communion elements and bring me one, please? And then when he had taken that, he'd taken the cup, and he gave thanks, and he gave it to them, and he said, drink from it, all of you. For this is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Now, if we break this down a little bit, he said, this is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out. It hadn't been poured out yet. Please don't get distracted with the the elements being moved out. But I want you to see, he hasn't even poured out his blood. It hasn't even paid for the forgiveness of sins. And he's already drawing that conclusion with them. Thank you, Michael. Michael, make sure story has one too, please. This is the blood of my covenant. And the interesting thing now is verse 29. And Jesus says, and I will not drink again from this until I drink it with you in my father's kingdom and then they sang a hymn they sang a song and they went out to the Mount of Olives and the next thing he did was feel the pressure of everything to come and he went and prayed Father Jesus thank you for 
everything you orchestrated. Jesus, thank you for being obedient to come and pay for my sins. And as we go into the weeks leading up to Easter and we celebrate and we have so much fun with the families and, and all the other celebrations that are going on, we're going to take this moment to obey your words when you said, do this in remembrance of me. Jesus, we thank you for sacrificing your body so that we could be healed. We receive it. In Jesus' name, go ahead and take the bread. And it said, when he'd taken the cup, he gave thanks to it, and he gave it to them, saying, Drink. Father, we take the cup, the representation of what Jesus did for us on Calvary. And Father, we give you thanks. Thank you that he paid for my sins. Thank you he took in his body what should have been for me and how much I'm in need of a Savior. We receive it in Jesus' name. they sang a hymn and they went to the Mount of Olives and the full weight of all of it then came on Jesus I can't imagine what he went through but can I just suggest to you just coming to church and taking communion the first Sunday of every month isn't enough We need to take Jesus' example. He walked right out of this first time of saying, this is what I want you to do. He walked right out of doing this, laying this whole cool thing out and felt the weight of it all and still went and prayed. Came back, found him sleeping, went back and prayed. He didn't give up. Came back, found him sleeping again, went back and prayed. You know one of the banners out in front of our church for the entire we've been, time we've been having a church says prayer changes things. I want to tell you that's one of the core principles and understandings of our church is prayer changes everything. It's not just something we do. It's not just something we say. But we believe in prayer. It's one of the components, but it's so powerful. We see Jesus needed it in his flesh and body to complete his tasks. So I want to tell you something we're going to start doing. We're rolling out prayer at Church on the Rock. Can you see that one coming? Anybody? Saturday mornings at 8 o'clock, we're going to be in this room right here. If you can come, you're welcome to. If you're not able to come, that's perfectly fine. There's no judging. There's no rules. There's not saying you got to do anything. I'm telling you, we're going to have the doors open. We're going to have worship music going on here. The lights are going to be dim. And we're just going to spend one hour talking to God. Because I think if Jesus made it this important of a priority, that he prayed three times before he went through what he went through, 
how many of you know that's a good thing for us to do as well? So this isn't something we're just going to do for Easter. This isn't just something we're doing for a couple of days. This is going to become an institution for us. And all the connection cards that you guys are filling out every week, they will be up here laid on the altar if they're not confidential. The confidential ones never make it up here. And we're going to be able to walk by and pray over these. See, it's not about how good our worship is. It's not about how good I could ever preach because I can't preach good enough. It's not about how good our small groups are, how wonderful our elders are, and they are. It's not about any of that stuff if God doesn't show up, if the presence of God doesn't come. We need to do what we see Jesus saying. This is how I made it through. I need to make it through. My wife and I tell each other all the time, we're going to make it. We're going to make it. Sometimes it's really in faith. We're going to make it. But I'm going to tell you, we're going to make it together. So this is not starting this Sunday, this Saturday, but the following Saturday. So this Saturday right before Easter, April 15th. Now, if there's ever a day that people want to start praying, it's probably April 15th. You get the the pun there? Anyway, but that's when we're going to launch it. If you're interested, you're more than welcome to come. It'll be one hour, cut and dried. And we'll be out of here and continue on your day. But that is what we are going to do to take feet and initiative to answering what God is calling us to do. We're going to pray. Also, at the end of every service, if anyone has any special prayer requests that they have, they want somebody to just agree with them in prayer, obviously the elders are here, and my wife and I will make ourselves available. Andrew will make himself available. The worship team is available. Anyone, anywhere, you need somebody to pray for you. That's the time. Let's just pray right now and close this out. Father God, I just thank you for Jesus. I thank you for the illustration that he gave us that we can make it through. There's no longer a separation between God and man. And we can't say that you don't understand us. But Jesus came and lived as a man and he went through everything we did. And we see today that one of the things that empowered him is prayer. And as I read through the New Testament, I see how often Jesus went and prayed. He's way more devoted to it than anybody else around him. And I pray that that's something we can change and become as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.